more hours, more busy, means more successful and more important. And that's kind of a faulty logic. We've got kind of caught up in this way of thinking that, you know, the busier we are, the more important we are. And we've attached it to our self-worth and it's kind of got um, out of balance. This is the Leadership 480 Podcast. Hi, leaders, and welcome back to the Leadership 480 Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Alms, and today we're talking about finding focus in leadership, which is a struggle for so many of us as we have about a million things competing for our time and attention. My guest today is Julia Wolfendale. She's the author of the book, Five Ways to Focus. Julia is also the founder and director of On The Up Consulting, where she coaches executives on how to be their best selves and get things on the up. Julia, welcome to the Leadership 480 podcast. Hi, Beth. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. It's so great to have you because this has been a struggle for for me and I think every other leader I know right now is just <laughs> struggling to say, where should I spend my time? Where should I focus and get things done? Um, so many leaders are really craving that focus and are struggling to find it in their careers. And I'm curious, as you've talked to leaders over the years about their struggles to focus, what tends to hold them back from finding better focus? Yeah, well, the world has changed, hasn't it? You know, the way that we're interacting with people constantly, we're constantly available, you know, we've got our laptops in our pockets, basically in the form of our smartphones. So um, we've got in these habits of becoming very busy all the time. And for a lot of us and a lot of leaders, the more hours, more busy means more successful and more important. And that's kind of a faulty logic. We've got kind of caught up in this way of thinking that, you know, the busier we are, the more important we are. And we've attached it to our self-worth and it's kind of got um, out of balance. And what we've forgotten to recognise is that our cognitive processing actually uh, reduces we're less effective when we're multitasking. We actually have, uh, we're less productive by about 40%. The more things that we're doing, the less productive we actually are. The less quality of our interactions, you know, and, and um, the, the work that we're actually producing. And it's true for so many of us, you know, 71% of us in a recent study never turn our phones off ever, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, work work's always available to us, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, probably people are checking their on average now about 12 minutes every 12 minutes of their waking hours that they're, they're checking their phones. Um, and about half of us are checking our phones within five minutes of waking up, you know, so where's the downtime, you know, asking me, you know, what tends to hold them back from finding focus? Well, too much accessibility to too much activity that's work related and being tied up with the idea of being busy. Uh, I think another thing. Tell you, Julia. When I read that in the, I read a little bit about that in the book about the constant need to check your phone and checking every 12 minutes. And as soon as I read it, my initial reaction was, when did I last check my phone and should I check it right now? Like it gave me like this itch, like I have yeah. to do this immediately. I was like, that's probably not what she's going for, but it's mm. absolutely, it triggered me to be like, I should check. What if someone was trying to reach me? Completely. And it is a real trigger. It's an itch, like you described it. it it's it's the dopamine hit. It, we get um, endorphins released by, you know, reading things that we're interested in or or being able to act on things that make us feel important or, 
so you know we are kind of kind of indulging that every time we check our phones like am i needed is this going to be useful for me am i going to be important here um so yeah it's kind of taken things a little bit too far out of perspective now and people are busy so much of the time they're not able to make use of the downtime and actually focus on the stuff that really matters um also people are, 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 when you ask me you know what what holds them back from getting better focus i think the the need to avoid drama is something that is important to start thinking about and talking about. And I cover this in the book, you know, helping um, leaders to start thinking about what what is the drama that's going on in their in their office, in their teams, in their workplaces that they're finding themselves giving a lot of attention to and maybe taking their focus away from the things that really do matter, the things that really do need to get done. But, you know, we, we can choose when we see drama, what role do we want to play in that? So just being able to kind of coach people through the dramas that they might be experiencing and helping them understand the roles they're playing in that drama can help them have better focus on how they want to be. And I think the saying no, um, you know, I say, OK, what would happen if you said yes less and suddenly people feel quite free? <laughs> the idea that this saying no is something they shouldn't do, you know, it means that they're not serving people, they're not um, not fulfilling responsibilities, but you can't say yes to everything because now we are exposed to so many opportunities, so many things we can learn, so many things we can find out more about, but we have to put some limits in so that we can actually cope and focus on the stuff that really counts. So all of the things you just mentioned from constantly feeling like we have to check our phone and respond to messages to wanting to be there for others and all these things they're going through and feeling needed in those situations and struggling to say no to the many requests that come our way. A lot of that does revolve around the need to be needed. And mm. and there's some real anxiety, I think, for leaders of um, taking a step back of feeling like, you know, I'm going to empower others to let do this without me, or I'm yeah. going to uh, say no to something so I can focus on other things. So when you're feeling anxious about how to start focusing and getting away from that busyness, how do you recommend that leaders start to reframe their thinking so that they can feel okay about a focused direction and not um, just feeling, you know, kind of getting that dopamine hit from feeling needed? Yeah. Yeah, so so in the book, it, it does bring to mind the things that perhaps people are struggling with at the moment and help them kind of work through some scenarios by asking the questions in the book, you know, these insight questions and action questions. So how do they respond? What do they want to do differently is the, is the premise of the book. So what we often find is that the there is an initial res resistance around focus, which is but I need to help. I have to do it all. So that's very sort of instinctive, very subconscious, but getting people to kind of bring that out, um, you know, writing their, their own answers in the book, talking about that in coaching gives people a chance to kind of step back from that and realise that that's a strong driver. It's a clear driver for them to serve others. And that's a good thing. And it could be a strength of theirs. But overplaying it might not be helpful in every situation because it might mean that it weakens them. And if they're making the assumption that then um, people won't need me or people won't like me or people won't value me if I if I don't respond to everything. Um, I can help them then see, well, who else, you know, help them look at the resourcefulness within their staff. And if they aren't there helping all the time, how instead can they look for 
other people's capacity, other people's strengths, other ways people can step up. Um, you know, we have to kind of make sure that managers are operating at their the right level for them and not getting involved in their kind of more day to day and more operational, especially when they feel like their teams are really busy. They might really, really want to help. But how to help and how to focus on what matters is what makes a big difference. So so I'm really encouraging leaders to look inwards, noticing their inner responses, you know, their, their kind of tendencies, their their um, subconscious reactions, getting them to notice that and, and why. Why is it they're reacting in that way? And is there another way for them to um, to respond that is um, better for them, better for their team? And as well, I'm asking people to think about, you know, what do you care about? What matters to you? How can you make an impact? And when you realise what those things are, and focus on those things it helps you to kind of put those um kind of just put the boundaries in place around why you might not then need to get involved in 10 other things that are actually somebody else's responsibilities i i love that and i i think so many leaders too um and i'm including myself in that of <laughs> just feeling like you know so often you're making so little progress on you know 15 mm. or 20 things instead you know, how can you make really great progress on on five things or six things that really are meaningful um, and really move the needle? You know, that can be very rewarding to to start to see things actually start to change when you narrow down your focus. Yeah, exactly. And and I also I think to take this kind of compassionately as well, because I've talked earlier about how busy people are, but I think perhaps sometimes people don't think about, you know, all the different roles that they're playing, um, you know, in their lives. So I ask them to think about and reflect on what is it like to be them as a person, you know, um, what is it like them to like for them to be a manager, to have a job, to have a social life and still be a great leader and still be a great parent, you know, and be and be a great friend and, and just to help them recognise that they probably mean pulled in many different directions. And if, if they've got a particularly busy work life as well, they are going to be feeling the strain of that. So and we really have to start talking about, you know, the risk of burnout. It's a very real thing. Um, and if we can help people to start to focus on the things that they really can make an impact on, um, we know that people are going to have better, more fulfilling um, work lives and better home work life balances. Um, so one of the exercises from, from the book, Five Ways to Focus, is I, I ask people to really think about what is the reason why they want to focus more? You know, why does this matter to them? And I ask them to describe how they often feel you know, so they can explore for themselves what does this, um, what's it like not to be focusing and how is it that they would actually like to feel? How do how do they feel now? And how would they like to feel? I asked them then to kind of explore, okay, so what are you looking for? You know, what would be better or different if you were to have more focus? And then I asked them, you know, what would that help them to be more? Um, and what it will help them have more? And why that actually matters to them and just slowing down the mind and the thought process to think about those five things, you know, what you're looking for, what do you hope that will help you to be more, what do you hope that will help you to have more and why does that matter? It makes people just step inside themselves for a moment and just go check around, okay, what's this like for me? <laughs> and when you're a busy team leader, probably most of the time thinking about how is it for the team? How is it for the boss? How is it for the organisation? So it's a great way to slow down, reflect and really find 
the meaning for people again. I, I love that framework of thinking about how you're feeling, which I think for mm. many leaders may be, may be overwhelmed or, or feeling like they're constantly jumping from thing to thing. Um, and and I, I love thinking about why it's important and finding that focus because so often um, what you find is, is that as you, when you think about kind of the consequences of, of no focus, there's somebody always who's, when you shift your focus, um, there's actually somebody who usually suffers. So if you're quickly asking your team to take on a new project, you know, yes, it satisfies one stakeholder, but your team is now um, taking on more work or or you might be unable to deliver on something for another stakeholder that you had al already promised. Or it becomes between, as you mentioned, you know, your own work-life balance of we took on this extra thing, so I'm putting in extra hours, but it's my, you know, my son or daughter who's now not getting my time. Um, mm -hmm. And that last part of the exercise of defining why focus is so important to you, I imagine you've seen that be very powerful um, for a lot of a lot of leaders who are looking to really realign. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that kind of really held true for me as a leader as well was there are always more things that we could be doing. But what are we going to stop? And, you know, innovation and transformation is about the new ways, the things that you can do better, the things that you can do different. But it also needs to be around what do we stop doing because that no longer serves us. And I just, you know, coming on this call today with you and being intentional, you know, the people on the call, your tech crew, et cetera, all, all being intentional about closing down other applications that are running in order to get the right bandwidth yeah. to focus on this call. That's what we need to do as leaders. We need to close down the other stuff that's noisy, that gets in the way, that distracts us, that takes us away from having a really quality, meaningful, productive, efficient experience in the thing that really just matters just right now. And um, I think some of the ways that I help leaders to think about doing that in in with the book Five Ways to Focus is I give them the five ways structure and that runs through the book. In every chapter, there's a five ways model, five things to think about that will help you, um, you know, in, um, get the focus. So um, in one of the chapters, it's understanding what's getting in your way. So distraction, what that's one of the five things. What is taking up my time and energy right now? And does it matter? Yeah. The second thing would be organization. What is a mess and needs sorting? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And you might not be dealing with it, but you might be very aware that it's a mess. And just the fact it's a, it's a, you're aware it's a mess can be getting in your headspace. Yeah. So what is a mess and needs sorting out right now? Prioritization, you know, the busy. What is it that you're procrastinating on? That actually really matters you know how do you prioritize that stuff that really counts delegation you know we talked about that idea that no one can do it as well as me and I feel like I need to I need to help them well actually this is shifting that what can you what can people help you with yeah um, how could you be okay asking that um and automation you know what can I systemize what can I make what can I use I bet there is an app there. I bet there is something within your organization that, that has probably already been designed that you're just not using because you've not had the headspace to think about how do how do I use that system? I haven't been on the training or whatever. But what's the things that can be automated so you can take your thinking time out of it and actually have the focus? So that's one that's one example of five ways. 
I, I love that of, of starting to break down everything into what's holding you back. What are your distractions? Where can you really, where do you want to spend your time? Um, what can other people help you to do better? And I'll tell you, it's it's funny because when you were talking about how, you know, when you joined, you know, for this podcast, we say, you know, shut down some other apps so that you have, it's not pinging you constantly. You don't hear the noise, things like that. Um, I'll tell you, when I started hosting this podcast, it was a funny thing for me of, I noticed that these were some of the best conversations I was having at work. Um, <laughs> and, and in many ways, because you simply cannot do a podcast and be answering emails and things like that. No one, uh-huh. no one wants to hear my uh-huh. half-hearted responses. Um, <laughs> <You're> distracted one. <laughs> right. So I was actually taking this time to really sit and listen to someone and and respond. Um, and I, I started doing some of that then in other conversations as well, of thinking like, you know, these conversations I do for a podcast take my whole focus. I'm not answering other emails. I'm not doing, you know, Teams pings and messages while I'm doing this. Um, and it's been great for some of my other conversations, mm-hmm. too, of trying to take some of these tactics forward. Now, I'm not suggesting all of the leaders listening have to all start their own podcast, but it's an amazing exercise if anyone wants to try it. It's a great um, discipline. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had to learn that as well in doing my coach training, becoming an executive coach, to learn to give one single person all of my attention for all of that time. You know, and when you're used to managing a busy team or a big service and um, lots of different programs and projects, that that's such a shift, you know. So that that was something that I actually really valued. And like you, when you give you when you apply that discipline and you have that kind of quality conversation with great listening, great attention, so much more rich insights. And, you know, you know, you've done a great job <laughs> and they and benefit. So, absolutely. And it was such a great lesson in prioritization of, you know, I wanted mm. to create a what what mattered to me most was like I want to create a great podcast and it yeah. and yet it still niggles at you a little bit when you're like oh but I could just answer that email real quick while this person's <laughs> giving that answer and like and I know yeah. it's it makes for a, a worse listening experience for everyone else so you try not to do it but like there's always still that pull of like there is be great to just answer yeah or do this one other thing but really a yeah. nice um move towards prioritization as you <laughs> as you focus on more important things and one thing I wanted to dive down a little bit more too on the prioritization um, side of things, you talked a little bit about in your book too of um, where procrastination comes in with prioritization. So I think this is um, this is a challenge I think for a lot of leaders too of where they really want to. There's something they have on their list either that they don't want to do or that they really want to do, but it feels so big that they don't end up ever giving it time. Like, you know, this is super important, but it's so big and I have all this, like all these little tasks to take care of first that they never end up getting to that important thing. So how do you find that prioritization helps with the procrastination um, and and really moves people towards action? I suppose it goes back to that core of the book, which is focusing on what matters. So why does it, is it, well, is it really a priority? I suppose that is, still a question that needs to be applied and may be applied quite regularly there's often shifting priorities in organizations so what seemed like a priority that's been on your list for three weeks maybe it isn't (laughs) so you know having that conversation with yourself or discussing that with your you know with your the senior managers or whoever in the organization to say you know is this still a priority because other stuff has been happening that seems to have kind of got got in the way 
or has been needed to be done. So I think really questioning whether or not it, it, it needs to be done. Does it need to be done to the same scale and to the, in the same way and at the same pace that was originally understood? Um, sometimes the things that we put off doing, they the longer they kind of hang around, the bigger they kind of seem to be. I've certainly noticed this, you know, something I thought was going to take me a couple of hours and I've put, out, put to one side because I don't have a couple of hours free. It's probably only taken like half an hour or something when I actually focus. So it's, it's knowing how much energy you've got for the thing. You know, can you properly focus on it when you do make it a priority? How long will it really take? So sometimes our feelings about how something um, is going to go is different. Um, and again, is is it is it still your priority or is it somebody else's priority now because you've got other ones? Um, but holding it on your to-do list is kind of, well, it might disadvantage somebody else who gets it, you know, two weeks later when they could have worked on it two weeks earlier. <laughs> so I think the prioritisation, the delegation really sit well together. You're describing like half my projects right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go like after this podcast and go work on that. Um, but the other piece I, I thought of these five things here as you're looking to find focus is on the delegation side. And you had an interesting perspective too here about, um, you know, so often we don't delegate because we feel bad about, you know, putting more work on somebody else's shoulders or, mm. um, you know, we feel like, hey, I'm the leader. I'm the one, you know, I'm getting paid more and I've got the, it's my position to take on this extra stuff. But sometimes you mentioned that really, feels to your team like you're selling them short, that you don't think that they could um, help or, or learn some of these yeah. other things. So I always say, you know, one of the most uncomfortable positions someone can find themselves in in an organisation is working for a busy person. And the stress of a busy manager can easily be felt by, you know, other the, the um, people who work to them. And it sets the tone. And what often quite, what quite often happens is people who are very busy are have an assumption that other people are too busy to to help them so I think there's a good way to reframe it which is yes if you are too busy um but the uh and perhaps you're resisting the idea of somebody else helping you out with that maybe you like to hold it all maybe you're a kind of be strong you you like you like to win through in the end even if it takes you all all day and all night and all week you'll get it done you know um, so you might have an overinflated idea of your own personal capacity. So you need to check in and just go, you know, have I even got the time to be able to do this? But I think the, the helpful challenge that also comes in is, could this be a developmental opportunity for somebody else? And if you're a leader, that's a really important part of the role, not to just manage people, to also to develop people and give them opportunities to grow and to, you know, to bring their talents forward. Um, and I do remember that myself, you know, um, when asking somebody, could they help me out, help me out to edit a blog that I was writing? And I thought it was written. I thought this isn't going to get round to pressing publish because I just need someone else to have eyes on it. Or, And then when I realised that was it, I just need to ask somebody, even though they, I thought they're probably really busy. And then recognising that this person actually was really skilled in editing and like took her 20 minutes, whereas I was thinking it's going to take me like an hour and a quarter or something. <laughs> And yeah. then had a whole conversation about it. And like she had an English degree and um, 
a future plan to uh, be a freelance copywriter <laughs> and it's just like oh okay this person is, is is really skilled at this and I got to know more about her strengths and more about opportunities that I you know could give her within the team where she would be able to um go on and do that and um that person actually ended up being a editor on my first book wow. <laughs> because she has a true talent for this and perhaps if I'd not asked her that day could she help me just edit this blog you know seeing her capabilities and what she's what she's really able to do so I think yeah I think it's an important part of a manager to be able to delegate things that could be opportunities for people other people to develop and show their either show their strengths or develop and learn something new they've not had a chance to do or to be exposed to something in the organization you know asking someone to come and step in for you at a meeting gives you that time back that you might need but also might give somebody else an opportunity to to learn something or to yeah. contribute absolutely and once you start getting down this path of focus, so you've kind of committed yourself of, you know, I, we're, we're, we're going to limit the number of things we're focusing on for, for myself as a leader, for what our team is going to do. Um, the things you choose to focus on are going to take a level of commitment and, and making it the mission for yourself and your team. How do you, how do you suggest leaders start to lay out, you know, what they're committed to and, and really make it and focus on the personal impact of those few projects that they are going to focus on? Um, I think they have to be that golden thread. You know, what's the strategy of the organization? What are the values of the organization? How do we go about our business? Um, and then what are the team objectives? And then individually, what are their task objectives? And if there is that alignment, I think it just makes work so much easier to focus on because people know that they're working on the stuff that really counts. They're working on the stuff that really is going to make a difference. Ultimately, they can see that connection to the team priorities, the organisational priorities and, and the end result for the consumer or the service uh, users that they're working to. So I think that's important for people that helping them to focus on the things that actually matter to the organisation. But I think the values are important, too, because helping them focus on um, them working in a way that is aligned to how they feel is good or is right and is also what the organisation wants to see. And I think that's so important right now, I think, too, of we're seeing so much in the news of people um, wanting to find that value at work, of seeing the impact of their work um, mm -hmm. and wanting to feel like they're contributing to something good beyond just, you know, I do X, Y, Z tasks and I get paid. They want yeah. to really see their their impact. Yeah. So let's say, you know. I do this with my team and we're all focused on, you know, we're all agreed, this is what we're gonna focus on and get done. Um, but I'm worried that my boss doesn't care about my focus list. I'm afraid to disappoint them or that they're gonna think that I'm not a hard worker. Um, so how can you use these focus techniques to build a better relationship with your boss? Do you know, I think then it is more of that personal conversation around what matters to the person. And like you talked about there, about people wanting to feel that they're making a difference, that they're feeling fulfilled, that their work has meaning. I think that matters more than ever, seeing as people are giving so much to their work right now. It's like, mm -hmm. does it matter? So I think flipping that around and finding out what actually matters to the people that you're, you've employed, the people that are in your team. So for leaders to be able to ask these um 
these five things um, really can make a difference in terms of um, understanding how people feel connected to the organisation and where they're making a difference. So, so I would say, you know, get somebody to reflect on these five things. What are they proud of? What are they excited about? What are they concerned about? What are they ready to do? And what do they need help with? And this is a great team exercise, or it could even be used as part of, um, you know, supervision or, or appraisal, PDR. So asking somebody what they're proud of really connects with their intrinsic motivation. You know, the stuff that matters to them inside, the stuff that drives them. What are they proud of? And managers are quite often surprised what the individual is proud of. It might be different to the kind of to the thing that the manager's been counting and thinking was important. <laughs> Um, what are they excited about? You know, what, what helps this person come to work and feel that they're, um, you know, they want to do and they have energy around? What are they concerned about? So what are the blocks? What are the difficulties? And are they at work or are they at home? You know, what are the things that they're dealing with in their life right now that the manager may not be aware of? So what are they concerned about? Um, and then asking, what are they ready to do? You know, tapping that, that, that sense of readiness, that sense of um, I, 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 that I can do this now so that momentum isn't lost. So what are they ready to do? Yeah, tapping into that. And what does the manager need to do to help them make sure they do that? Um, and that's the need help with. Yeah, is there anything I, you need from me here? Is there something you need some help with? In the conversation, they might then go into, yeah, there's some development or there's some training or there's actually, if you could just escalate this, <laughs> you know, so... Yeah. It's a really great way for a leader to check in on the things that matter to the person they're managing so that they can understand how to motivate them and how to value them and how to support them, how to encourage them, how to help them kind of stay on, on the path towards the things that the organisation thinks are important as well. And then, so when you have your team engaged like that, what about the flip side of that, of, of your own boss? So, you know, if I say I'm a manager and I report to, I don't know, a director or VP, um, how do you help to commute? How do you communicate back to them of, you know, here's what we're going to do without the assumption that they're, that the, your own boss is going to say, Hey, I know I need you to do all this other stuff too. And I, aren't you a hard worker? Like there's a lot of mm. fear around, you know, your own boss isn't going to accept what your team has decided to focus on. Sure. So how do you help your bosses see um, how focus on your team is going to be beneficial? I think it's a good point and there's a good chance that the boss may have not have read five ways to focus. So you, <laughs> <laughs> so you might need to manage upwards. So, you know, for, uh, um, a, a senior manager or a team manager to be able to ask their boss what they would like them to focus on can be a very empowering thing to do and you know might make the boss realize that perhaps they haven't been so clear in what they've been briefing perhaps they have thrown a load of work in their direction but not been clear about what it was that needed to be done right now or, or actually what could be stopped being done now so I think when you do manage upwards in that way and ask your boss, what would you like me to focus on? What is my what are my priorities here? What impact would you like me to have? What difference are you looking for me to make here? Then you've got your brief. And I always say, you know, to be fair to people, people are only as good as their brief. If you're giving a really shoddy brief to people, you're not going to necessarily get great quality results. But if you give them a brief where you're clear about what you want them to do, 
you're clear about how that fits into the wider priorities, you're going to hold them to account. They're going to be able to demonstrate their impact because you've, you've expressed what that is. So I think it's a very much a two way thing, but I think the managers themselves can ask, you know, those more senior leaders, those directors, what are you looking for me to achieve here? Mm-hmm. And there's so much you can document on that side, too. Right? Sure. It's yeah. Really helpful from like a performance management perspective, the, you know, quarterly plans that you have for your team, what they're being held accountable for, what yeah. you're telling your boss, what you're being held accountable for yeah. and saying, hey, we agreed I'm going to do these things if I take on this additional project that's going to threaten, you know, objective number three or something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah. And not be afraid about offering or working um, on some solutions around, okay, what's the interim need then? If this all this new work is coming, so we're going to need an interim resource to do this or not do this. I mean, you know, it's simple math sometimes. You you just can't, you can't take on more without refocusing the other priorities. Yes. And and I think we want to think about the the impact on your team if you don't manage that well. Yes. Um, so it is it is so tempting to always say yes, yes, we can do that additional yeah. thing, um, and it makes you look good and feel good that you can help your boss out. Um, but when you lack focus, how does that impact the people on your on your own team? Yeah, so um, that's when people become very disengaged, you know, um, if they're unclear, if they see you as being unclear as the manager and not able to kind of give them a clear brief, then they're probably probably going to feel quite disengaged as well because they're not getting that sense of assurance from you. They're not getting that sense of direction um, and they might feel that they're working really hard. You know, they're being busy, but they're not sure whether or not those things are things that really do make a difference. So I think, you know, being able to give them clear direction, being able to tell them these are the things that are going to make a difference, but not being so prescriptive that you tell them how to do it. I think people do quite enjoy finding their own way, um, but having enough structure so that, you know, that you feel that people have got um, a, a way of going about it that plays to their strengths. Um, yeah, and I think teams, you know, they might struggle to, with managers who who are constantly kind of changing direction. So be clear around how um, how sure you are of something when you're saying this is what I want done. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't know how you want it done, then say I can be flexible on how you get this done. But this is what I am going to measure. This is what I am looking for as a result. So, um, yeah, so I think rather than keep changing directions and giving them a different brief, give them one brief initially but check in often enough that they feel supported, but not too often that they feel micromanaged. Yeah, so I think those conversations are what matter, you know, just checking in regularly enough. Yeah, I I think when you don't do that, it can feel so much to the team, like they're just treading water, you know, I want you to work, focus on this, focus on that, focus on this other thing of, and they're working so hard without progress, you know, and you just get exhausted. Yeah, so, and that that is, and that, and then people just kind of show up and they do the job, and then they're not emotionally engaged in the job. Whereas if you value people's results because they're the results that you were looking for, and you've been clear about them being the results you were looking for, you can value people. You can um you can reward people when you see that happen. You can have conversations about how 
Um, how did they do that? What strengths have they used or what strengths have you seen them use and what impact you've seen that they've had as a result? So um, that that really helps around the employee engagement side of things. I've done a lot of work on that. And, you know, we know that the more emotionally engaged people are in their work rather than just being busy and just doing stuff like you've described, the more discretionary effort they give. So they are the people that you can go to and ask to try out a new way of working, um, you know, do, do a, run a pilot of, of, of some new project, uh, test out something new. Um, share their experience with another department. They are the people that tend to be the enthusiasts, the champions, the people that know their work well enough and know it was valued enough that they also then want to kind of do more. Yeah. And circling, circling back a little bit to the concepts around procrastination um, as well as, um, you know, the, the busyness that we get bogged down in, um, you know, a lot of us want to find focus and we want to achieve these big picture things. And as leaders, we're actually on the hook for the bigger picture items. Um, but it's hard sometimes to not get so bogged down in the right now, the things that are filling your inbox today. Yeah. Um, for leaders, especially as you get higher up in the organization and are more responsible for that big picture thinking, how do you start to think about moving the needle on those Mm. big items, um, knowing that they're going to take you a year or things like that while still making sure that progress is happening today. Yeah, so I think that's it. And it's the, um, so a lot of leaders find, and I do a lot of work in the public as well as the private sector and, you know, public sector feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of challenge at the moment, as I'm sure private sector do. But um, when, um uh, leaders are finding themselves firefighting, you know, just dealing with what's showing up today, constantly just, even if they have the big strategic plan, the stuff that they know they need to be working on to take them further and um, further in the organisation and with the the, um, the broader plans, the things that show up on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day <laughs> basis are the things that leaders often find themselves responding um or kind of reacting emotionally to. So this approach that I've got helps people intelligently respond rather than just emotionally react to things that are showing up. So um, it's, a, it's a mental discipline, you know, it's a kind of mental model that you know is in the five ways to focus. So this, this particular five ways to focus on, you know, what can I do that will move me forward? So five ways are here, what can I do in the next two hours? What can I do in the next week? What can I do in the next month? The next three months and the next six to 12 months. And that keeps you anchored in, yes, I've got things, big priorities in the next six to 12 months that I need to achieve. I mustn't lose sight of those. But there's some things that are showing up now in the next two hours that I know need to give my focus and my attention. But I'm prioritising that. I am intentionally focusing on those things. So I'm giving myself that capacity to do that. I'm also thinking about the next week that's coming up. So I'm taking responsibility for looking ahead for my next week. And I'm thinking, where do I need to put my attention? You know, where am I going to get my joy from? You know, what are the things that I've got to do? What are the things that I would like to do? Start to think about how's the next week shaping up? How much control have you got over planning that? And then the next month, thinking a little bit further ahead. And then the next three months, and, you know, building it up like that, but doing that all in one go 
really helps leaders manage and, and get a sense of what they're dealing with at this moment. And I think particularly middle managers, they get the pressure from above and they get the pressure from below. <laughs> so the stuff that needs doing right now and then the stuff that they know they need to be delivering in three months. And, you know, that can be very that can be very conflicting for them. So I think just taking that exercise that's in the book, sitting down with the questions and you know just just getting clear just having that level of focus by reflecting on the things that need your attention the most and i love the flip side of that exercise where it's um you know when you look at not only what you want to accomplish but sort of if i don't do this now what's going yeah. to happen to that goal so if you know for say my goal in one year is to um achieve something larger i want to be up for a promotion or whatever whatever it yeah. is you want to achieve if i don't do this today, I will never be ready in That's 12 right. months. Or if I don't focus on this yeah. in the next quarter, um, there's no way we're going to reach our goals by the end of the year. That it's, it's, it's the scary side of focus of if yeah. I don't, then what happens? And the That's nice it. thing about that is there may be some things too that are on your plate you'd like to do now where oh. it, they could come off and you say, if I don't do this now, what happens in 12 months? And if the answer is nothing, you might be okay. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it does. Get, it's a balancing perspective. That's what it does. It, it does help you shift the thinking around the stuff that's looming large and looming like to be quite daunting to, OK, some stuff I can actively do right now that gets, gets me into a good headspace. Um, you know, so it, 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 it is having that balance through that focus. So this has been such a great conversation. And as we zoom out into the big picture, um, you know, this can be a little bit scary in the short term of, you know, I've got to say no to some things. I've got to take time to figure out my priorities which, when it feels like I'm too busy to even sit down and do that. But looking at that big picture, what do we accomplish when we find focus? Why is this such an important direction? So I think, you know, what we talked about at the, uh, about at the top of the call, this risk of burnout is so real. And this what people have been through through the pandemic i think people are reevaluating their lives they've recognized what it is like to have certain things not available to them you know not be able to go to work you know not be in the office with people but then not having to commute you know people are really kind of their whole what they knew to be true about work has really shifted so i think people now have a real opportunity to reevaluate their lives and think about what's this what do I want more of and what do I want less of and how do I create that? And we know that there's been, um, you know, a, high, a, a great shift in people changing career. And I help people a lot with that around, you know, how how to know when to make their move and what are they really looking for? So I think that there's never been a better time, really, for people to start to think about those things that really do matter to them and think about what is it that they want to be actually doing more on a day-to-day -day basis and how much importance do they give to that what do they need to learn and develop more in order to get to the level they want to be performing at and who do they want to be surrounded with you know what are the kind of people that they're looking for to make up their work life and and recognizing that some of these things are active choices especially when you start to bring them into focus you start to realise those things matter. And when you start to realise those things matter, you can then start to think about what are the actions I could take to achieve that. But if we don't give our attention to that thing being even important to us, we don't 
start to express it as an idea. We don't think about the actions that could take us there. We don't engage with other people that could help us get there. So being reflective and asking ourselves the, some of the questions that come up in the book give us our own insights to start to have control over the way we want to have our work lives and our home lives, especially at a time when the world feels very uncertain and very unsteady. So if you can create some certainty for yourself and some way of um, creating the kind of work life that you think matters and helps you be your best, then you know that 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 feels like a gift to people if they if they're ready to kind of engage with that. Yeah, what a what a wonderful way to tie this together of you know how focus really helps you develop an intentional style yeah. of leadership of we're doing so much with purpose both for what we're going to deliver to the company as well as um, to ourselves and and our teams as we mm -hmm. find satisfaction in our work that yeah. supports the lives we want. Um, so last, I'll ask you the question that I ask all of our guests on the show. Can you share with me a moment of leadership that changed your life? Maybe for good, maybe maybe <laughs> it was something that made you say, gosh, I will never, ever do that. And I will go in a different direction. Um, something, some moment of leadership that impacted you. This was such a hard question. Is this a question that you gave me in advance? <laughs> I've had lots of different leadership roles in lots of different types of organisation. I was um, marketing director at Halley Hansen, a global sports brand for the UK. Um, I've worked in, in leadership roles in public sector organisations and all very, very different. So I find it quite hard to kind of pinpoint one leadership moment. But I think what I now know to be true for me as a leader is that I have definitely been at my best when I have worked for somebody, when my more senior um, leader was clear about what they wanted and gave me enough freedom to find a way to make that happen and gave trusted me enough to, you know, to 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 put those things in place, but also held me held me to account in a way that I could see this made a difference, this had an impact, and then we can do more of this now as a result. So I think that that was a, a very big kind of leadership learning lesson for me that as I also then went on and set up my own organisation is how much do I tell people about what it is that I'm looking for from them? And how much freedom do I also give them to experiment with that and find a way of making that happen? Fantastic. Thank you, Julia, for um all of your time and insights today. I hope that everyone listening helps, will feel like I do and feel like, okay, I've got to go make my list of priorities and, and some focus and, and share and share <laughs> some key, key things with folks about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do next. So thank you so much for being on the Leadership 480 podcast with us today. You're so welcome. Thank you, Beth. And thank you to all of our listeners who took part of their 480 minutes to be with us. And remember to make every moment of leadership 